What do you do after you have seen the resurrected Savior? What do you do after you have seen death defeated? What do you do after you have been to the empty tomb? What do we do after we've met Christ? What do we do after we've experienced his love and his grace and his kindness? What do we do after these hundred days? There are some scholars, and they think the Gospel of John ends after chapter 20. They think the 21st chapter is an add-on, either by somebody else later or maybe the church later on. They think the verses that we looked at last night, that we ended with last night, are the fitting ending for the Gospel of John. Remember last night, verse 31 said, These things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And they believe that is the ending to the Gospel of John. Well, I want to tell you tonight, for many reasons, we know better, but tonight I know better. You see, the Christian life doesn't end with the resurrection. It begins with the resurrection. The Christian life doesn't end with finding Christ's love and receiving him in faith. The Christian life doesn't end with salvation. No, the Christian life begins with salvation. Well, tonight our message is entitled, A New Start, Part 1. We're going to look at this in a couple of nights. A New Start, Part 1. Tonight we're in John chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. John chapter 21, the last chapter, verses 1 through 11. A new start. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd join me in standing in the reverence of the reading of God's Word. John chapter 21, beginning in the first verse, God's Word says this. After these things, Jesus manifested himself to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and he manifested himself in this way. Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will also come with you. They went out and got into the boat and that night they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, children, you do not have any fish, do you? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you will find a catch. So they cast, and they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards away, dragging the net full of fish. So when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. 
Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to, foot to land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Dear Father, we come tonight, we're thankful for you. We're thankful for these nights that you have blessed us, that you've shown us your grace, that you've shown us yourself, your love through your word that's living and active and speaks and has spoken to us. Lord, I pray on this night that it would be no different, that our expectation would be no less. And I pray, Lord, on this night that you would speak. And I pray that we would cherish it, that it would be a tremendous thing hearing the voice of our God. Lord, I pray that we are encouraged. I pray that we are instructed. I pray, Lord, that if need be, we're disciplined, that we're corrected. And I pray the fruit is that we would look more like you. I pray, Lord, for some that do not know you in this room and other places as well. Lord, I pray that in the hearing of good news tonight, that this very night they would be saved. I know, Lord, that is your desire. Lord, we come and again, we just worship you we praise you, we thank you, we tell you we love you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. A couple of nights ago, if you remember, I told you that if you allowed God, if you were listening and available, that God has been working in you. In this effort, through the gospel of John, God has had a purpose for you in these days, and we need to understand that. If you've been willing, if you've been available, if you've been listening, God has had a purpose for you in these days. And if that is you, and I'll tell you, I pray that it is, then Sunday for you is not the end. Understand, God has been preparing you. He has been building you. And I believe it is for something great. And so if that is you tonight, understand Sunday is not the end. For you, it is the beginning. Listen, my heart in this is let's go. Let's, let's go. This is the start. He's built us. He's prepared us. Let's go. That is my heart. Listen, enough business as usual. Haven't you had enough business as usual? Enough normal. I've had enough normal. Let's go. This is our beginning if we've allowed God to work in our life. Well, the truth is tonight, sometimes before we can move forward, sometimes before we can go, we have to settle some things. And that's the truth. We have to reconcile some things in our life. But I'll just tell you, I believe that is exactly what is happening here in John chapter 21. So yes, I believe this is written by John. Yes, it is the word of God. And I believe it is there for that purpose. Understand these people are literally about to change the world. These people are about to change eternities, countless eternities, even ours tonight. But before they do, there are some things to reconcile. There are some things to settle. In our verses tonight, we're going to see three things 
that have to be settled, that have to be understood, that have to be resolved before we can move forward as followers of Jesus Christ. And I believe that's what we're going to see, and we're going to see those in our verses tonight. Let's go to our verses beginning in verse 1 tonight. After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and he manifested himself in this way. Now, the Bible starts off here after these things. After the resurrection, Jesus has appeared on a number of occasions to the disciples. Those appearances have all been near Jerusalem. In the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Luke, Jesus tells the disciples to go and he would meet them in Galilee. Well, after some time, now we're not sure how long that time is, we're not sure the period of time, the disciples have been obedient and they've made their way north to Galilee. And that is where we find them tonight. Verse 1 says they are at the Sea of Tiberias. Now understand this is the Sea of Galilee. By the time that John writes this, it has been renamed from the Sea of Galilee to the Sea of Tiberias, named for the Roman emperor Tiberius. The Bible says here, Jesus, now watch this, manifested himself to them. The Bible says this is how he manifested himself. Now, the Greek word for manifested means to make known, to make clear, to make visible. Now, I want you to see this. This will be an account of their physically seeing Jesus. That's going to be clear. We're going to understand that. These verses, this will be an account of their physically seeing Jesus. But it will also be an account of their seeing, their perceiving some truths about Jesus. And so, yes, they're going to physically see Jesus, but in these verses, in these events, they're going to clearly see some things about Jesus. Verse 1 again. After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And he manifested himself in this way. All right, verse 2. Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus, the twin, and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples were together. Now the verse says there are seven of them there in Galilee. Now I want you to start to see what's happening here. Understand this. Galilee... This is where these guys are from. This is where they grew up. This is where they had friends, where they had family members. This is where they lived. This is where they had worked. This is where they had lives before Jesus. This is where Jesus found them. It's also where Jesus spent a great deal of time with them. And Jesus had them travel there to meet him. Now, I want you to see this. Jesus has them travel there 
to meet him. Now, here's the first thing we need to understand. The first thing we need to resolve, that we need to be sure of, and that is this. Jesus outweighs the past. Jesus outweighs the past. You see, there are some days when we start to think about the past. And there's days when the past starts to be attractive to us and and we, for some reason, we forget all the hard stuff about the past and we remember all the good old days of the past and we stop moving forward because we're looking behind us. Well, here's the truth tonight. Once we find Jesus, you can always go back. And I'll just tell you, the lure is always there. You can always go back. But if you've actually met Jesus, when you go back, the past is not what it was. If you've actually met Jesus, when you go back, the past is not what you remember. When you go back, the past literally has become just that. It is the past. You see, I want to tell you the truth of what the scripture tells us, the truth of following Jesus. The Bible says, in Jesus, we have new desires. If you've trusted Christ, we have new desires. We have new hopes, not the old hopes. We have new hopes. If you've trusted Christ, we have new plans and new priorities, and now they are grounded in Jesus. Before we can move forward, before we can move on, we have to remember tonight, Jesus outweighs the past. Now, let me tell you, praise the Lord that he does. Praise the Lord that he does. My heart is that after these hundred days of seeing Jesus, after these hundred days of seeing his great love, that we couldn't go back. That we might, we might throw an eye back there. We might think, oh, I remember those days. But my prayer is that when we get there, it's no longer the same. The past is the past and that we couldn't go back. All right, verse three, let's keep going. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will also go with you. They went out and got into the boat and that night they caught nothing. Now I want you to see this. Verse three is a sad verse. See this. They are there in the land of their past and they are waiting on Jesus. They were told he was gonna meet them on this particular mountain. They are there in the land of the past. They're waiting on Jesus And in the process, Peter says to them, I am going to fish. Now, I want you to see this. It's not something to fill his time. It's not a recreational activity. He doesn't say, well, as long as we're here, we might as well fish. No, it translates, listen to this. I am going, literal translation, I am going to be a fisher. Literal translation, he says, I am going to be a fisher. Now, I want you to remember this. He was a fisher when Jesus called him. That was his career. That's what he did before Jesus. And so what he is saying here is this. I'm going back to what I used to do. That's what he's saying. I'm going back to the nets. I'm going back 
to the boats. I'm going to be a fisher again. Now, why would he say this? Think about this. Why would he say this? I want you to stay with me. Peter had failed Jesus. He had deserted Jesus. Listen to this. He had abandoned Jesus. He had abandoned Jesus. And Peter never got over. And yes, he saw him alive. He saw him alive. Yes, he was glad over that. He was joyful over that. Jesus is alive. But the truth is, when Jesus needed him, he had blown it. He did what he said he would never do. I'll never do that. He did that. And regret has consumed Peter. Now listen, Peter knows who Jesus is. That's not the problem. Sometimes we act like, well, if you only knew who Jesus is, he knew who Jesus was. He saw him resurrected. That's not the problem. The problem is he knows who he is. And he started to think to himself, he's not worthy. And he says, you know what, he's not good enough. I, I had a chance to stand and I didn't stand. He says, he's too weak. He's too messed up. And he says, you know what, at least I know how to fish. At least I can make a hand at that. I, I messed all that up. I'm not a leader. At least I know how to fish. And he stands by the sea and he says, I'm going to be a fisher. I want you to notice here how quickly the others follow him. You see, he was a leader. And I don't know if he knew he was a leader. But, but notice this. They quickly join in. He says, I'm going back to fishing. And they say, we'll go with you. Thomas, all of, we'll, we'll go with you. That's what we'll do as well. Well, here's the second thing to understand tonight. The second thing to be resolved in tonight. The second thing to be sure of, and that is this. Listen very carefully. Jesus outweighs our sins. Jesus outweighs our sins. I want you to think with me tonight. You see, Jesus knew Peter. He knew his sins. He knew all of his sins. He knew he would fail before he ever called him. Do you know that? He knew he would fail before he ever called him. He called Peter knowing that he would abandon him. Folks, I want you to be sure tonight, Jesus outweighs our sins. The Bible says he would forgive us. The Bible says he will restore us. I want you to know tonight, I want you to be sure of this, the plan of God, the plan of Christ moves forward with people with past. Do you know that? His plan moves forward with people that sin. Jesus outweighs our sin. Be sure of that tonight. Settle that tonight. What a dumb thing to dwell on what Jesus has paid for in his very own blood. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. John writes that as well. Listen, Jesus outweighs our sin. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. Verse four, moving on. But when the day was now breaking, sun's coming up, Jesus stood on the beach Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. They fished all night. Now I want you to see something in verse four. They didn't know it was Jesus, but Jesus knew it was them. Here's the, here's the thing to see there. 
Jesus knows where to find us. Jesus knows when to find us. That's the most marvelous thing, I think, of this whole thing. He knows not only where to find us, he knows perfectly when to find us. Verse 5. So Jesus said to them, children, you do not have any fish, do you? They answered him, no. Now, children, we read that. It translates. It's a term of friendship, a term of endearment. A, a translation would be lads, or a modern translation would be boys. He says, boys, you do not have any fish, do you? Been fishing all night. Sun's coming up. Hey, guys, you do not have any fish, do you? Their answer, no. Verse 6. And he said to them, cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you will find a catch. So they cast, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of the fish. Verse 6, Jesus says, cast on that side of the boat, the right side of the boat. I want you to think about this. This is the exact same thing that happened in Luke chapter 5 when he first called them. This is the exact same thing that happened. I think it is then. Now, it's been some time. My lands, a lot of stuff has, has happened. But I think it's then that John starts to see, hey, I, I understand what's happening here. The Bible says there's a great number of fish so heavy they can't pull it up into the boat. They can't bring the net up into the boat. I imagine right here, I don't know, but I imagine Jesus is laughing. I imagine he's on the shore and he's thinking, these guys, these guys. You know what? Jesus loves them. Jesus loves them. And they've had a hard time and they're confused and he's been consumed in guilt but Jesus loves them. And I believe as they try to pull up a net, here, you know, Peter, he, he's got to pull the net up and he's pulling the net. They can't pull it up. I imagine Jesus just laughs at them. Verse seven. Therefore, I believe that, this, that John sees what's happened. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. Verse 7, this verse is something. John recognizes him. I think he remembers back. And he says, it's the Lord. They've been out there, and he's, he looks over at Peter. It's the Lord. Can you imagine that? It's the Lord. Now, Peter hears that it's the Lord, and Peter never changes. He hasn't changed. He acts first and he thinks later. That's how he's always been. In the Greek, it says he ties his outer garment around him. And so he doesn't put on his clothes to jump into the lake. No, he's taken off his clothes to work over the course of the night. And, and when, he, when he sees, hears that it's Jesus, he picks up his robe, he ties it around his waist, and the Bible says he threw himself into the sea. He jumps in to the sea. Here's something I want us to notice right here. When the regret of the past 
and the sins of the past begin to haunt you, run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. He scoops up his coat. Hey, that's, that's the Lord. He scoops up his coat and he ties it on and he jumps in the water. Run to Jesus. Verse eight. But the other disciples came in the little boat for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards away, dragging the net full of fish. They can't pull the fish up into the boat and so they just say, we'll just row in, dragging the net full of fish. It's only about 100 yards out. Now, I don't know, maybe Peter swims faster than he runs, but he's probably making his way in as well. And they're all making their way into the shore. One crazy guy swimming, six guys rowing. It says a little tiny boat and a net full of fish are making their way to the shore. Verse 9. So when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and the fish placed on it and bread. They get in. They get to the shore. They've been out there all night. And here's the crazy thing in verse 9. Jesus has made breakfast. I don't want you to miss that. I, I, I've seen things all the way through these hundred days and I can't forget that. I can't forget the woman at the well. And I, I can't forget Mary Magdalene. And I can't forget Pilate. And I, I, can't, I can't forget Thomas. I can't forget this. I want you to see this. This is the picture of our Savior. Understand this. The Lamb of God promised before the foundation of the earth, promised in Genesis chapter 3, the Lamb of God, the resurrected Lord Jesus, the defeater of death. He has defeated death. The king of kings, the prince of glory, soon to be back in glory, listen, is the friend of sinners, and he made breakfast. What a savior. What a Lord. What a, what a, the friend of sinners made breakfast. Verse 10. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish, which you've now caught. Now, I don't know if you've ever been camping or ever been out somewhere where they got a grill going and got the grill running, but the guy doing the cooking gets to give all the orders. You ever notice that? Hey, bring the meat in. Or you tell the kids, go get the Lowry season salt. Bring that out here. We're going to need some water. This thing's flaming up. He says, I guess it had never changed. He's there by the charcoal fire, and he says, hey, grab some of that fish y'all just caught. It's about to be a feast. He already had fish and bread on the, on the grill. It's about to be a feast. Bring some of the fish that you've caught. Verse 11. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Now, it seems strange to count the fish especially now that this has happened. It is Jesus. It is a miracle. But they count the fish. 153 large fish. A fishing business would count its fish. That's the profit. That's why they came. That is what they're going to sell. And that brings us to the last point tonight, and that is this. The last thing to understand 
The last thing to be reconciled to is this. Jesus outweighs all the world's success. Jesus outweighs all the world's success. I I want you to see this. They could have been fishermen. There was nothing wrong with that. But the only problem with that is Jesus hadn't called them to be fishermen. He'd called them out of that. He had something else for them. And I want to just tell you, if it was 153 fish, if it were 353 fish on this day, it does not matter. True success is found in walking out of your past and standing in the forgiveness of your sin and seeing the mission of Jesus and working in the mission of Jesus. That is what matters. That is where you will find joy. If you're going to move forward, you're going to have to be reconciled. Jesus outweighs all the world's success. Here's the problem. We're trying to have them both. We're trying to say, when I want to serve Christ, I I hear these verses, I want to serve Christ, but oh, I want this, and I want that, and I want to add this to my list of assets, and we're trying to have both. Listen, if you're going to move forward, you may be a fisherman, you may be a salesman, but you need to understand, success is laboring in the master's field, serving his will. Jesus outweighs all the world's success. Friends, tonight can be your beginning. Tonight can be your beginning. You can trust Jesus tonight and he'll forgive you. He'll renew you. He'll restore you. But I want you to know tonight that is not the end. That's not the end. This is not the end. These hundred days, that's not the end. This can be our beginning. And I'll just tell you, for some of us here tonight, it's time to leave the past. It's time to leave the anger of the past and the bitterness of the past. It's time to leave the hurt of the past. It's time to leave the regret of the past. It's time to leave the lure of the past. For some of us here, it's time to leave our sin, all of us, to turn from our sin to follow Jesus. For all of us here tonight, it's time to seek his will, to walk and live in his purpose and be certain that is success. Listen to me tonight. Tonight can be your beginning. Tonight can be your beginning. If you've never trusted Christ, turn to him tonight. If you've trusted Christ, walk with him tonight. Move forward with him tonight. Tonight can be your beginning. Listen, any age, any situation, tonight can be your beginning. Here's the deal. Let's go. Let's go. Why wait here? Enough normal. Tonight can be your beginning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come, and I'm thankful for this beautiful picture. I'm thankful that it's so beautiful because it's just a glimpse of our Savior, His kindness, His grace, His love shown to sinners. You didn't let them go back. You didn't let them wander off. You knew where to be. You show them kindness and grace. You set before them the the high priority of walking with you. Lord, I'm thankful for that. Lord, I pray for a couple of results tonight. I pray for the church that we've been encouraged tonight, that our love for you has grown tonight. 
I pray for those that are lost tonight. I pray that they see you truly tonight. Not mad, not angry, a, a gracious God that loves sinners so much so that he would provide the remedy for sin his very own son. Lord, I pray that tonight sinners, lost sinners would turn to you and find your grace. Lord, I pray in all this again that you've been lifted up, that you've been glorified. I pray all in the powerful name of Jesus, my Lord, amen. We're gonna close our service tonight with a time of response, a time of invitation. And it truly is the most important time of the service, the most important time of the day. The most important thing that comes in the word of God is being presented with a choice. And tonight, you can have your beginning tonight. You can walk off from your past. You can be forgiven of your sin. You can turn to Christ. Be restored, renewed. Today could be your beginning in Jesus. If you've never trusted Jesus, trust him today. He'll forgive you today. He'll save you today. Turn to Christ. He'll save you. If you follow Christ, listen, today's your beginning day as well. You know what? We can turn today and we can, we can leave the past in the past and the regrets and the sins of the past there forgiven in the blood of Christ and we can move forward serving in an eternal purpose. Whatever age, whatever station of life, we can move forward right now out of this room serving in an eternal purpose. We're gonna have a time of invitation. If God has spoken to you, if you're trusting Christ tonight, you come on. If you need more information, you come on. If you want to follow in baptism as a, as a symbol, uh, uh, an act of obedience, showing what we believe of Christ, you come on as well. If you're looking for a church home, you come on. Maybe you want to pray here in an altar, pray with me. I'm going to ask, as I always do, that we would take this serious, that we would pray for this time. Wouldn't stir about or head for an exit. Pray for those that are making decisions. If God has spoken to you, as we stand and sing, you step out, you come on. I'll meet you here. Settle it today, you come on.